This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Talking Twins, actually. Mackie and Judd production. Bud Zolgad, Jake DePew, as always, each Monday we talk twins. Declan Goff, executive producer extraordinaire. Twins coming off, um, Jake DePew, back-to-back wins in Kansas City. I'm told everything is absolutely fine now. It's all yeah. been turned around. Don't be concerned about things. The boys the boys are back. It's, you know, the Yankees are coming to town. It's a formality. They'll sweep that series. I am uh, I'm dubious, but you know what? What the heck? My my regional sports network tells me everything is good. Well, in that case, I guess everything is good, right? Their word is gospel. So uh, <laughs> we're 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 ready to go here, getting getting geared up for the playoffs. All right, so let's look forward before we look back. The Twins are going to play host to the Yankees for three games. Uh, a couple of years ago, they played this series at Target Field in July, and it was one of the best series that I think has been played at. Uh, that stadium since it opened in 2010. It was an outstanding, very tense, high-intensity series. Uh, nonetheless, as the Twins get prepared to play a Yankees team, which we should tell people cannot score a run. So, like, the, this team's in fourth place. Uh, the Yankees are not the the uh, team that we're used to seeing, necessarily. Nonetheless, when it comes to Twins-Yankees, I think there does become some concern about can the Twins in end a streak of ineptitude against this franchise, which is by this point actually incredible, correct? It really is. So so the Yankees' dominance over the Twins is, I, I think, the most inexplicable phenomenon I've seen in watching sports for my entire life. Uh, because this is a, a stretch now. That's We're coming on 20 years. So I've got a couple of numbers to, to throw at you guys. Uh, in the 2001 season, the Twins went four and two uh, against the Yankees. That was the last time the Twins won a season series against the Yankees. 2001. Uh, since then, beginning in the 2002 season, they've gone 35 and 87 in the regular season against the Yankees, while you know winning zero season series and two and 16 in the playoffs. That comes out to an, an overall uh, record of 37 and 103. Over the, over the last 18 seasons, that includes six playoff eliminations uh, in that stretch. That's a 264 winning percentage. Uh, they've played almost, so it's, it's 140 games. They've played almost a full season against the Yankees uh, going back to 2002. And they're 37 and 103, including the playoffs. It just, that blows my mind because it goes against everything we think about baseball, which is that the bad teams can beat the good teams on any given day. You know, it's most games are a coin flip more or less. Uh, it, it's right up there with the 18-game the playoff losing streak for me in terms of just inexplicable statistics uh, that, that the Twins, unfortunately, uh, ha- have to own. Um, it, like, this isn't, you know, like the Orioles lost ha- had lost 16 straight to the Twins, right, before, before they beat them. But that was over a stretch of like three or four years, you know, when the Orioles were really bad and the Twins were generally good. So you can kind of understand those things. This is 
going on. We're close to 20 years now of just complete dominance. And it just blows my mind. And so for that reason, I'm always interested in the Twins Yankees series, no matter how uh, either team is doing. How can a stretch go that long with with what's been some god-awful Twins teams, but been some very good Twins teams? How can you how can you maintain a stretch of ineptitude across the board for that long against a Yankees team that at times has been very very good and at times has been okay like there is no reason why the Twins cannot win or I should I'll rephrase there should be no reason why that the Twins cannot at home win 2 of 3 within the next upcoming Tuesday Wednesday Thursday series given the Yankee struggles given that this certainly does not appear to be a great team. But yet we'll be surprised if they do because of the stats that you just read. It really, it, it is a, the ineptitude of that streak and the amount of time it's taken and and the amount of players it dates to. You know what, Mike Trombley's of the world and and probably Matthew Lecroy's, I don't know. That is, it's absolutely shocking. It's absolutely shocking that that many permeations of a team and from both sides could right. fall could fall into that this big of rut of consistency. Yeah, I mean it it really does especially in these these playoff games. It seems like it's borderline impossible for the Twins to win one of those games. Like it just feels and, and that's obviously because we've seen the movie play out so many times. But those playoff games, they seem to play out the same way. It's not the Twins getting blown out most of the time. It's them taking an early lead, uh, and then slowly the Yankees chip away and and end up, you know, either winning a close game or or, or the final score looks bad. But like over and over and over, uh, they just continue to absolutely uh, fall apart. You know, and and I think it was it, it, Tory Hunter. I believe it was Tory Hunter and Kadir uh, came out a few years ago, and I'd have to double check that. Uh, but I, I think it was those two that came out and said they were really nervous. Uh, not not those two players specifically, but the team was really nervous in some of those playoff series. Sure, at the and time. I know, yeah, yeah, and, and I know that uh, people have talked about how Guardy maybe had a lot of nervous energy or whatever. But this goes through, you know, <laughs> you know, it's the Terry Ryan era, the Bill Smith era, Falvey and Levine. Like it's just it blows me away. It blows me away to be that bad. Like the Tigers, I believe just swept the Yankees. They took at least two out of three. And I think they may have just they swept, swept the Yankees. Last, yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. Last, week, last week. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, these things happen all the time. Bad teams beat the Yankees all the time, but over uh, nearly 20 years, the twins just cannot get it done when it matters most or, you know, in random regular season series. It's just, it's astounding to me. And playoff nerves make sense when you're new to the playoffs. But, for instance, eventually that Twins team that was um, being beaten by the Yankees in 2010, right? That wasn't a young team by that point. Like, there should be no nerves there. And they still got beat there. Um, 2019, supposedly the Twins are like, well, that's the Twins' past. We're the new Twins. And, you know, we've got Nelson Cruz, and so we've got a different team. And they were right. And they did the exact same thing. Now I will say I will say some of this recently the five uh, consecutive playoff losses suffered by the the Fighting Rockos have had a consistency to the approach of the problem you do not start Randy Dobnik in New York like 
Anyone could tell you that. You could go to the street corner in Manhattan and be like, yeah, we're thinking about starting this guy, and he's a young pitcher. With He'd say, you know, that's a bad idea, right? You do not take Brios and Maeda out of the Astros games at that point. You just don't do it. Like, you could go to a guy in the street corner and say, what do you think about that pitch count thing? And he'd be like, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. Uh, don't take those guys out. So I think it's a combination of things. I think I think it's a three things. One is it's got to be some luck because, like, it, there has to be some luck involved. But more, sure. impor- but more importantly, it is also the the ability to choke at the worst possible time. And then it's also decisions that are made that at times are terrible. And the playoff, Rocco Baldelli in the playoffs has been a disaster. And the Twins have too. They've been a disaster. They can't score runs. Pitching-wise, they can't decide uh, or or they can't pull the right strings and, in fact, self-sabotage themselves. So, like, it makes no sense, but it's also incredibly frustrating because if you're already up against it and you don't play a team like the Yankees well, it doesn't help you when, when you insist on sabotaging your chances to win through poor decision-making. Yeah, and you can't, you know, when, when your organization has lost 18 consecutive playoff games in a sport like baseball where there's so much variance uh, and so much luck, it, it, that, that's not, you can't just chalk that up to, oh, you know, we, we, you know we, we made all the decisions by the book. We did everything we could. Like, there is a clear f- fundamental problem. And if you wanted to say, okay, but let's just limit it to Falvey and Levine, mm-hmm. which maybe that's more fair, that's fine. They're 0-6 in, in their regime in the playoffs. Um, you know, and, and none of those games have even really been particularly close uh, other than uh, maybe that game one of that Houston series. So, like, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum on, on the podcast last year and this year about the decision making in the in that Houston series and in the Yankees series. Right. It was just bad. It was just bad. Uh, and it, they were first guesses, I think, on a lot of them, um, especially bringing in guys like Stashek and, and, and pulling, like you said, Barrios and Maeda. But um, but the, the just to, to take the 20,000 foot view and, and say and look at Owen 18 and 37 and 103 against the Yankees like there is something fundamentally broken about the way they approach playoff series and for whatever reason the Yankees in particular and I I don't I mean we can talk about some of the reasons behind that but it just some of it does defy logic yeah so and so it's same. just yeah 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 it's just it's fascinating to me hey um on the upcoming three games that we're going to see uh in downtown Minneapolis I'm very curious by Wednesday night's matchup now it's Dobnik not curious about that. Garrett Cole pitches for the Bronx Bombers, Jake DePew. And um, we we have seen a rash of very interesting stuff just basically pouring out of late, I, I think pretty much capped by a really, really in-depth great read in SI about the doctoring of the baseball by pitchers and how it's out of control and how it's basically gone from Gaylord Perry throws a spitball to there are substances left and right being used on baseballs and no one's policing this. And Donaldson, uh, Josh came out, what, a couple weeks ago now on Twitter and basically said, I know this is going on. I'm going to turn on people. I'm going to name names. Uh, He did a Zoom call on Friday in which he um, basically said that he's talked to baseball about this. And then he got into his objections, which, of course, now is all, or not all, largely based on spin rate and and the unbelievable spin rates that a lot of guys now have that defy all common sense. And the only name I believe that Josh named 
in that in in his examples of pitchers who might be doctoring baseballs and he brought up spin rate was Garrett Cole. Yeah. Are you as curious to see the first at bat when JD digs into the box on Wednesday against Garrett Cole as I am because one I'm pretty confident that he might get the ball high and tight and two I'm pretty confident he might immediately charge the mound and final thought shockingly I know in Rob Manfred's world baseball's got a whole lot of trouble on its hands now and they're going to have to fix this and I don't know how you fix it in midstream yeah so what I'll say first of all is good for Donaldson for 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 bringing this up and and calling guys out I mean I, I, I think you know it is interesting that he called out Garrett Cole by name, uh, and it will be really interesting to see what happens in their battles uh, on uh, on Wednesday. But like, if you look at Garrett Cole's, I, so, so somebody posted this. Well, a bunch of people were talking about it on Twitter, but Garrett Cole's spin rates were down um, in his first start since MLB came out and said guys will be suspended. Donaldson pointed uh, that out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and he, I think Garrett Cole gave up like five earned runs in that. So like, I, I do think this is clearly a problem and it's been going on for a long time. And it's as I think the the Cardinals uh, manager, Mike Schultz said, it's like baseball's dirty little secret or whatever. And I honestly think part of the reason maybe it's taken this long for it to all come out and people to be talking about it is that if you're a guy like Donaldson and you call out pitchers, you're also calling guys out on your own team. Correct. Right. And you're, you're, you're not naming them, you know, he's not going to call out, specific names on his own team. But I kind of think that's part of the reason why this has been allowed to go on for so long, because you're going to potentially blow up the clubhouse if you do that. But, um, you know, if baseball wants to, to get out of this offensive funk that they're in, uh, you know, they they need to do something about this because strikeouts aren't exciting. I mean, strikeouts are are exciting when they, uh, you know, come in big spots or when a starter is really dominating and just pitching lights out. But when you have strikeouts at this high rate and you have three true outcomes, strikeout, home run, walk at this high rate, it's not a particularly entertaining product, you know, in my opinion, at least. And I think one of the ways to 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 get better um, in that area is to is to start figuring these things out and start suspending guys or doing whatever you have to do. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how spin rate, you know, decreases as the season goes on. But uh Good for Donaldson, man. I mean, he's the type of guy, he's got the pedigree. You know, he, he he's he's earned the right to say those things if you want to be old school. And he'll fight guy. you, too. Yeah. He'll fight he guys. He, he won't care. Um, so, yeah. so here's the one thing I don't get about this whole thing. It's been compared. I think Donaldson said this, and, and I saw a quote in the SI story or two about this as well, saying that this is basically the new steroids. Because 98, rampant cheating. You know, summer of the home run. Everybody loved it, me included. It was fun. And and that this is the equivalent to that. And here's my comeback. But this ain't tough to stop. And here's why. It's not exciting to what you just said. The, the steroids were difficult to go away from because Mark McGuire and Sosa and Bonds growing smaller isn't exciting. Oh, look, they're slow. Their heads are shrinking. Ain't that cool? You know, no. You wanted, I mean, people were showing up, including me, at the Metrodome. I think it was June of 98 to watch McGuire take BP. Okay? Like, that's how into it I was. Because it was cool. I sat there for all of BP and watched it. There's nothing about spin rate or strikeouts. Like, if everybody can throw hard or everyone has great sync or whatever they have, 
That's not exciting to to me. In fact, it's more exciting pitching-wise when there's a very select few. There's Nolan Ryans and Clemens, who in retrospect also benefited from steroids. But my point being is crack down on this immediately. Because if you do, the more offense that we get back, the better. It's going to help you. So the, the one thing is it might be as big of deal as steroids and as rampant as steroids. But if you start to suspend guys left and right, I'm fine with that. You know what? Bring up crappy pitchers who who play clean and basically throw BP. There'll be more. It's going to be more fun. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. And what we need specifically is we need more offense, but we need more balls in play. Sure. Right. Like we don't we don't need more home runs. I don't like but they 2019. Deaden, they deaden the yeah, baseball. They deaden the I'm fine with that. So that that's the right, right step. More balls in play. So, so like, I have no problem if Garver hits a ball now that in 19, home run, like an impressive home run, and now off the wall, that's cool. But what I don't need is pitchers doctoring the ball to make it tougher. I, I don't need you to make the livelihoods of the people that people really want to see, which is the guys in the batter's box. I don't need you to make their life even more difficult. And baseball should be adamantly against it, where with steroids – in 98, I get the trepidation of being, okay, but we're going to lose excitement. Yeah, and this will lead to, if they really crack down on this, this will lead to more balls in play. I actually think the dead end ball combined with uh, cracking down on, on guys using substances will lead to more action. So I think, look, I'm not going to praise Rob Manfred for really anything because I I don't think he's done a good job at all. But Understood. they might, <laughs> yes. But they might finally be on the right track here by by deadening the ball a little bit and now and now coming down on these pitchers. That could lead to more hit and runs, more defensive plays, and that's the stuff that we need to see. Home runs are exciting, and they should be a part of the game for sure. But they should be exciting because they're they're more rare than what they certainly what they were in 2019. Like that season was incredibly fun to to follow the Twins. Obviously, they set the all time record, but that shouldn't be the norm. Like to me that. That that they they went way too far in terms of uh, altering the baseball, and now they've they've over adjusted because they haven't come down on the pitchers, and so we're getting this almost dead ball era. So if they can finally come down on these pitchers, I think we'll reach that balance point where we're getting a lot of balls in play and we're getting more action. And it's also it's going to really expose a lot of guys if this turns out if Garrett Cole turns out to be you know a four ERA guy after after these changes come down, like it's going to be the same type of of conversation that we have about McGuire and Sosa and, and all of those guys, like how good actually were they versus uh, were they just cheating? Yeah. You know? And how, how about Bauer? Like his spin rate's gone up significantly and he was always good, but I mean, he has gone in, probably into the zone of great. Now, if they come, if he is, if he's also a guy who has found creative ways and I mean, he's a smart dude. If he's found creative ways, for more spin spin rate, which it sounds like is very possible, what happens there? I mean, and then and then the the really intriguing thing about this is all the teams that sign these guys to huge contracts, expecting right. that they were getting player A, and if they're exposed, they become player C, and it's like, okay, that's uh, contracts not as good right now. But what I what I respect about Bauer is he talks about all this stuff openly. You know, like he, I, I don't know that he necessarily talks about the substances that he is, you know may or may not be using but like he talks about this stuff as a pitcher which most pitchers don't yep. uh 
guys like Bauer, a lot of people don't like him, and, and I certainly don't agree with, with everything he says by any means, but baseball needs more guys like that. They need guys with personalities, and they need guys that are willing to to talk about these issues that are in the game and, and be critical of the game when criticism is deserved. Yes. You know, so, so I, I, I have no problem with Trevor Bauer, uh, but it will be interesting with him um, and Cole and all these other guys to see what happens to their numbers. Yeah. All right. I've got a thought off of what we saw Sunday that I think for the twins, Jake DePue should not be that big a leap. Uh, and it's a player that you've talked about a lot. And I tend to, the more I see him play, come to your side of the fence. Okay. Andrelton Simmons at shortstop is a good fielder. We all know that. And he was signed to provide defense at shortstop and, and, you know, a little bit of bat for a team that was considered, you know, I think a real contender to win a third consecutive AL central title. We've now gotten to the point of June where it's pretty clear that ain't happening. What we saw yesterday, I'm going to, I'm going to run this past you. I'm not saying that, that Simmons should not play at all. But I do think he's going to be traded at some point, and I don't think you're going to get much back. But I think but he he has no he has no future here. Why don't we see Nick Gordon at second and Polanco? And I know it's ideal. He's not as good. I get that completely, but I no longer care about 2021. And Polanco at short. And when Arise comes back, you're gonna have to get creative again. But for Nick Gordon to have been up here for the amount of time that he was, because he was up here for like two weeks and didn't play, mm-hmm. uh, and now he gets a chance to play, and there's some, there's some, there's definitely there. There is there any reason that you can think of that he shouldn't be playing more? And if it comes at Simmons' expense, I flat out don't care. No, I and I've been beating this drum since Gordon first got called up in in late April. I, I think at this, Andrelton Simmons has a lot of value to a winning team. He has zero value to a team like the Twins that's totally out of contention and he's on a, a one-year deal and he's going to get traded uh, almost for sure by the end of, of July. So why play him? You know, I mean, if, you don't need to showcase him. Like, as long as teams know that he's healthy, uh, you know what you're getting in Andrew Elton Simmons. You know, you're getting a great defender and a, a mediocre bat. So, like, it's not like they need to show people that he's playing well. Like, you get what you get. So right, that's Jordan, what I'm thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick Gordon should be playing every day, in my view. I think Simmons should be basically a, a backup infielder right now until he's eventually moved. The way Mankiewicz became a, a backup to Justin Morneau in 2004, when everyone knew that Morneau was was going to take over, uh, and Mankiewicz was still on the roster, and it was this awkward situation. But um, yeah. Anyways, Simmons should be a, a bench guy. Nick Gordon, I, I'm higher on him than than most people because his issues have all been or most, mostly have been injuries and, and illness, these GI issues, and he had COVID last summer that, that basically cost him all of 2020. So if he has that stuff under control, like the bat is legit. It's always been legit. You know, there's a reason he was a top five pick. There's a reason he started at shortstop in the Futures game in 2017. And he's only 25. It just seems like it's been forever because we've been talking about him for so long. But he's only 25. So like, I, I think we need to see if his defense is good enough. It's definitely not good enough at shortstop, I don't think. Right. But at second base, we need to see if he can if he can be an everyday player. Right. But I really do think the bat can play. Uh, and and in a season like this, there's no reason not to start right now because it, it was weird. It was weird how long they they had him up and didn't play him. He went like nine days or something. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, where he was on the active roster, like yeah, yeah, you forgot he was even on the team. Um, and I don't I don't quite get what the what the reasoning was for that. I don't know if they're trying to like 
teach him a lesson. Like you need to take this more seriously. I, I've no, that's pure speculation. I have no idea, but um, he's playing more now and he's playing well. Yeah. Uh, so let's see what he can do over the next four months. Exactly. How is, and this might be one of the great twins mysteries in quite some time. How is Matt Shoemaker still on this roster? How the hell is he? And if he is, how is he still starting? Like he can't, Friday night was abysmal. He gave up nine runs in, I believe, a third of an inning. Eight of them were earned. Afterwards said something about uh, he was he had some sweat problems with his hands, blah, blah, blah. He always has some excuse for why. Um, at what point in time, like what's it going to take for them to say, you know what, Jay Happ, bit disappointing. He is a bit disappointing. But Shoemaker can't pitch for us. I, I just, I guess I don't understand why you keep going to this well time and time and time again. And there's no way that they can be thinking, well, he's a veteran and he'll turn things around and we still have a chance. First of all, you don't. Second of all, there's no, there is zero sign to me that he is going to turn things around. I just, I am mystified. How what we have long called, Jake, a smart organization, right? Falvey and Levine, they're smart. How the hell do you keep running him out there start after start after start? I think there there are two reasons. The first is it's an acknowledgement that the front office thinks that they have no real shot this year. Because if they thought that they had any chance of actually coming back and getting in contention, Mm -hmm. Shoemaker would have been DFA'd or at least moved to the pen, right? Uh, so I think that the fact that they just continue to throw him out there is basically more or less just saying 2021 is over from a competitive standpoint. The second reason I think is that uh, who's going to replace him, you know, because Johan, Johan Duran, he, he, he's next, he's next in line among the prospects, but he just started pitching. Uh, uh, Smelter's injured. Lewis Thorpe is now on the IL. So they're, I mean, they called up Griffin Jackson and, and Bailey Ober, uh, but you know, Maeda's on the IL. Look pretty good. I think there's, yeah, yeah. And I want to talk about him. Yeah, yeah. He did. He did. So I think it's basically that they they have no no depth right now. You know, they have they have zero starting pitching depth. They have a lot of prospects who I think we should be excited about actually. Um, but in terms of guys who are ready to pitch right now, there just aren't many there because Thorpe and Smeltzer would be the obvious answers, and they're both hurt. You know, so I think that. It, Unless you want to call up uh, like an Andrew Albers or somebody like that, who I think is actually pitching um, for like Canada to try to make the Olympics. Yeah, he but, like, if you want to, if you want he to call up things. a guy like that, yeah, yeah. So if you want to call up a guy like that, that's fine. But he's he's not going to probably give you better results uh, really than what Shoemaker is going to give you. So it's just it's just a it's an embar. I mean, it's just well, who's a- the first prospect that can get here to replace him? Um. Get healthy well, enough to replace him. I think Duran. I think Johan Duran will be up by the end of June, and I think that'll be when okay. Shoemaker goes. I think they, there's probably some hope that Shoemaker can put together a, a five-start stretch so they can flip him for some type of prospect. No, don't, no, don't, don't put me through that. I, I'm really – Just release I'm, him. Just be done with it. It didn't work. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I think – if they were even near 500, he would he would be DFA'd by now. So, but, uh, but it, so, but sorry. this is an indictment. Sorry, this is an indictment on the organization and where they're at right now. Yeah. That they 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 that they a signed him and, and totally whiffed on him and 
all of the free agents that they sign. Um, and, and, and then, you know, the fact that they don't have anybody really to replace him. I mean, it's just, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the twins right now. So Pineda's coming back over, I believe started in the Pineda, um, spot on Sunday against the Royals. Can Ober then just kick into shoemaker spot for now? I'm, yeah. I liked what I saw. Like he's not perfect, but that's fine. I just want to see something. I, I don't understand if you're doing anything in the short term uh, to reward and or play guys who are not core pieces of your future. I guess I'm confused. Yeah. So I think it, first of all, is Pineda, are we sure Pineda is coming back because he has uh forearm issues? I mean, that's a serious. I, well, that's that. true. They said they, they basically implied it's not bad and he'll, he'll be back, but yeah. It could definitely kick yeah. up again too, and they've lied before, so that is true. Yeah, so so I think Ober is, is probably here to stay, um, and I think he's a guy to be excited about. He's not a guy that's that profiles as a a one two or like he's more of a, a I think a three four five type. Uh, but I do think that he has strikeout numbers. The velo is higher than I realized with him. You know, he was sitting like ninety three, ninety four um, in his start in Kansas City. And so if he can keep that up, he has pinpoint control. Like his walk numbers in the, in the minor leagues are really low. So I do think he profiles as like a solid back of the rotation type of arm. Sure. Uh, so I, I think he's here to stay. But I think Johan Duran will be up soon. His last start, uh, he had a lot of control issues, but he's throwing 100. Um, and we've been talking about him for a long time. He's a consensus top 100 prospect. Uh, if he's throw, he, he threw, I think, 82 pitches in his last minor league start. So like, I feel like we're going to see him soon. Followed by uh, Belzavik, uh, and then eventually Josh Winder, um, and Matt Cannarino is one of their big pitching prospects. He he just got hurt. He has arm issues. That's not good. Uh, but there are other guys too. I mean, Chris Valamont, Cole Sands, those are more back end guys. Uh, but but I do think Duran, Belzavik, and and Winder are guys that you should legitimately be excited about, and Cannarino as well if he's healthy. So who's back now? Um, is Belzavik back now pitching, mm-hmm. or, or is he still out? No, he's back. He made his first start at Double A, okay. uh, I think, over the weekend, and and uh, did pretty well. had hadn't had a high strikeout rate. Okay, and now would he have a chance of being here this year? Probably not till next year. I, I think we I think we could see him this year. I, I don't think it would be they're gonna they're gonna seriously limit his innings, but I think uh, we could see him for like a five to seven start run sometime in August. Like that wouldn't shock me. Um, but yeah, they'll shut him down early. I'm sure once he hits an innings limit, but. Um, yeah, I, I think we could see him, but we'll definitely see Duran, and I think we could see Winder. Um, and these guys are legitimate prospects, and Chris Valamon is another. Like, they, they are legitimate prospects, uh, and so they need to pan out. I mean, some of these guys have to pan out because this is – it's go time now for, for Valve and Levine in terms of developing this pitching pipeline. We've, we've hit them on this a lot on this podcast. They haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. They haven't produced anything yet. Uh, there are – but there is this next group. And a couple of them really need to turn into legit MLB starters uh, for for Falvey to 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 sh- demonstrate that, again how he's sort of branded himself, which is this uh, you know guru of in, uh, you know developing all these pitchers in Cleveland. Uh, last thing for me, did you see? And I tweeted about this. Did you get a chance to see the ad that the Twins ran? I believe it was during the Saturday, Friday, or Saturday game. Um, on Bally Sports North, and I think it was it was a Twins ad. Just to be clear, so I don't think it, it was our friend from friends from Bally's uh, that basically tried to call out 
and I saw this early in the year, I think. So th- this was not a recent ad. It's just in rotation that tried to call out the haters on things like Twitter and the bloggers who hate and how that fuels the success of these <laughs> twins, how bring it on. That's going to fuel our success. Um, this reminds me, and I think this was a Bally's ad, but during the course of the Wolves season, there was a Bally's Wolves ad that would come on to watch, you know, Wolves basketball. And it would have a song that went, dominate, I came to dominate, I, I just came to dominate. And at some point I tweeted, you've got to stop this. Like, you've got to pull this ad. The Wolves aren't <laughs> dominating anybody. This is a complete bleeping joke. This is embarrassing. Like, like have some... Have some pride to like get where you're at as an organization or how your team is doing. I think saying that the twins are thriving on the hate of Twitter, Twitterers or bloggers or anybody else in this godforsaken season is equally as embarrassing. All right. So, full, so I saw you tweeting about it. I saw some other people tweeting about it as well. I have not seen the ad because I, I don't live in Minnesota. So I watch on MLB TV. I get different ads. Gotcha. So I have not personally seen the ad. But if, you know, I have no reason to believe that you're, that everyone's misleading me. I saw um, it. So, it, 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 I mean, that is one of the most tone deaf ads that I've heard of. It, if they're calling me, like, okay, this market, you know, what we do here and what you do, what you guys do every day, and you do a great job on Maggie and Judd, but what we do, we would be huge homers in a lot of markets like what we do the level of criticism that we that we bring down would not fly in new york or boston or philly people would be calling us out as being way too positive uh and and i think that in this market we're probably i think a lot of people would say the most negative the most critical you know so for the twins to say that like twitter or the media or whoever bloggers bloggers twins daily's killing them i mean that is so tone deaf and and let me say this too if there's anything that can unite twins twitter and that that seems impossible to me but if there's anything that can bring together uh all of you know all the columnists and the beat writers and the radio personalities and the bloggers it maybe it's this ad you know because i think everybody on twins twitter can get behind this ad and say this is totally absurd. Again, I haven't seen the ad, so I'm commenting without seeing the ad. But uh, I couldn't it, believe I saw it again. I mean, would you? Like, I thought they guys... pulled it because they don't run it that much. But I mean, you should never run it. It should be shelved indefinitely. Would you guys agree that uh, that this is a, a, a pretty a pretty soft market, and just in terms of criticism from 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 everyone, from us, and from oh, yeah. everyone in the media? Absolutely. Like. Compared to the East Coast or, or even big it's West not, Coast markets or Chicago, it's not even close. Yeah, it, yeah. So, so that I don't know who developed that ad or, or you know, signed off on that or thought that was a good idea. But again, I need to see the ad uh, before I guess I can comment on it more. We'll try and get you a copy of it. Please, please do. If I they're mean, smart, they'll burn it. That's worse than this. This is how we baseball. Do you remember this is yeah, how baseball? Unfortunately for them, that was the slogan, and this is just an ad that shows up randomly. And I don't think I saw it again during the course of the weekend. So it might be an. It, they might know it's a bad one to run. Uh, it's worse, except this is how we baseball was their whole slogan. 
<laughs> yes. But so so does it actually show like negative tweets? No, like, what, it just like... it has graphics to it, but it doesn't show anything in particular. It's just like uh we you know, we we thrive off the we thrive off these tweets and the bloggers and but no, it doesn't like uh screen grab actual tweets or blogs. I I, I need hilarious. to see the sad but but that that is just uh people saw it because i tweeted about it and then i got tweets back about it it was incredible and i think it was i think it was during friday's game so i was at the height of my being pissed off because they played so poorly and it's just like this is ridiculous have you seen it dex i i know what he's talking about i haven't seen it recently but i i remember early what on he's referencing right? yes i remember when it yeah. first started and i don't know if they like picked it back up because Hey, we're in the absolute gutter, so nowhere to go but up. But at the same time, I don't think you're going up either. I think you're uh, you're, you're cemented where you are. And and uh, what I always like to say, and then this goes beyond sports and beyond um, our conversation here, but self awareness is a beautiful trait. Like, have some bleeping self awareness. And I have no idea who greenlit that marketing campaign. Same with this is how we baseball. Same with the Rays, the the Timberwolves one as well. Have some self-awareness. I don't know how the hell that got cleared. You've got to be, when it comes to slogans, you got to be very careful. And, like, if you don't have one that, that's not going to potentially embarrass you, it's best not to have one. Right. right. Like, exactly. get, like, get to know them was a can't lose unless, great. unless you were just absolutely garbage. But it was worth a shot. Uh, this is how we baseball just basically set you up for failure. <laughs> It, it 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 was not a good slogan, um, but then I I I have to see this ad. I have to, and I really want this. I want this to unite Twins Twitter. I'm serious. This is a call to Twins Twitter. Let's all let's all come together. Let's have a kumbaya I don't moment. Think it's possible. <laughs> I, I think it's changed think it's since you were here too. I don't think it's possible. I I think let's just say I think there have been some some very harsh divorces within Twins Twitter, <laughs> and I don't think reconciliation is going to happen. It's a little That's bit a like, shame. you know, I don't know what it's like. It's just not pretty. It's not, it's, it's not pretty. And it's especially not pretty during a, a season like this. 1969 Beatles. Okay. It's like that. It's very acrimonious, <laughs> very acrimonious. Some people signed di- with a different label, got different lawyers. It got ugly. Twins Twitter's lost, but yeah. So, Well, I got to see it. I got to see the ad. Any final is, thoughts to Pew before we uh, shove off and uh, not really wait I mean, until the, next the, Monday to do this again? Yeah, I mean, this is just the part of the season when, when the team is bad and the trade deadline is still two months away where, you know, we're going to have to start talking about prospects and, and trades because I don't think barring a miraculous run, the on-field product is going to be super interesting until these prospects start coming coming up and playing every day. I'm hoping this week is at least a little bit compelling. Yankees Astros like yeah. I hope I hope it's the Yankees should not the Yankees can't score runs so I think yeah. that this series yeah. should be I'm not saying the twins are going to win they should but um I think the games just score wise should be relatively close um mm. the Astros series might not be I don't know but I mean at least it's yeah. not I'm so sick of Baltimore and Kansas City so that's good yeah yeah and and let me let me rephrase what I meant to say really is I want to see the pitching prospects come up and, and pitch sure. because yeah. until we said, but yeah, I mean, I think the Yankee series will be entertaining and interesting just because it's the Yankees. Uh, but, but, um, 
yeah, it'll be nice to see them play good teams, I guess. But yeah, this is just the stretch when when a team is bad, where it's just not it, the on field stuff is just not super interesting. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just it's just a, it is what it is, man. This is the 2021 Twins. And with that, we will say goodbye. See you, Jake. <laughs> Bye. All right, All right. See Bye, you everybody. Guys. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.